What's up, Michigan, and welcome to a state semifinals edition of State Champs Michigan's Extra Point, the Michigan High School Football Podcast. I'm Lauren Plant, and I'm joined by two of the State Champs scout team, Matt Mowry and Scott Bernstein. Today, we are ranking and discussing the top 10 state semifinals matchup, but first, I want to welcome in both of these gentlemen. It was a beautiful day on the high school gridiron last Saturday, January football, warmer than expected, got mm-hmm. off to a great start. What say you, Scott? Hey man, sun was shining. Playmakers were out in force. We had upsets. We had uh, chalk. We had great performances. Uh, you know everything you'd want. It just was two months, uh, two months late. Yeah. But, hey, better late than never. Beggars can't be choosers. We got our football, and we got two more, two more weeks, and we're gonna crown a state champion. And I, I think that this state championship will be cherished, and um, the accomplishment will be more lauded than previous. You know, traditional state championships because of the 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 kind of the 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 battle of attrition and you know the battle to stay focused, the battle to 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 stay, you know, on the just to stay on the field, right? Um, just there's so many hurdles and and all these teams that are fighting for a state championship uh, really deserve the kudos. Yeah, Matt, your quick overall thoughts on regional Saturday. It was a nice, balmy, roughly 74 degrees where (laughs) I was in the uh, Legacy Center for both games. I covered the doubleheader on uh, Saturday, so weather was clearly not an issue. But yeah, it was it was good to be back out on the field. It was good to you could tell that the games had a little bit of rust, a little bit of you know working through the the uh, issues of having a 57 day layoff. I think in our second quarter of the second game between Everest Collegiate and Peters. Berg Summerfield, there were five turnovers in the second quarter alone, and two of them were on back-to-back plays. I mean, it was just, it got a little sloppy, but I think you're going to move away from that this week. Now that teams have another week under their belt, that's going to be a moot point. Yeah, I mean, I was at the Oak Park game, and I actually had to take my sweatshirt off uh, in the second half. I was so warm because I also had my winter coat. Uh, But yeah, we had back-to-back turnovers at one point. We had a punch sale miles uh, over the head of uh, the Oak Park uh, guy back there that uh, caused a safety. So there was, yeah, definitely a lot of rust. But uh, by the second half, we were seeing, you know, these teams back to who they should be. And we got some great games. What we're going to do here to start off with, guys, is we're going to talk about our regional primetime performers. So before we put the uh, regionals behind us, we put that to bed and look forward, which is what the majority of what we're going to do today. I asked these guys to come up with uh, three guys, uh, and we each have three all different guys who we feel were regional primetime performers, guys who really stepped up. Matt, we'll start with you, and uh, why don't you uh, go over uh, the three guys that you want to salute? The first one I want to talk about is uh, David Milliken from Grayling. And he's probably not somebody that's on a lot of people's radar, but all the kid does is he just churns out yards. Eric Tunney, who is the uh, coach there in Grayling, former CMU offensive lineman, and you can tell that team is kind of a reflection of him. And it's all centered around um, Milliken, quite frankly. He had uh, 268 yards and five touchdowns and a 56-26 to 26 win over Nagani. 
even if you just count his uh, five touchdown runs, he had 174 yards on those five runs, averaging 34.8 yards per touchdown run. He had 37, 3, 43, 48. I mean, it's, he's, he's rushed for 740 yards and 15 touchdowns in Grayling's four playoff runs four playoff wins and it's the deepest they've ever been in the postseason he's already got the single season uh school record for for touchdown and he also he only just needs i think 32 yards to break the uh, school single season rushing record which was set back in 2005 when grayling made the regional finals which was previously their their deepest run this is a team that started one and three but they lost to uh, traverse city st francis who is still alive uh, Benzie Central and a Kingsley team that quite honestly could still be alive if it hadn't had to forfeit in the district finals. Okay, who's next? After that, I want to go to Zach Ahern from from Rockford. If you're going down the list of you know top quarterbacks in the state, he's he's probably on the list, but he you probably take a couple minutes before you get to him. He's not somebody who's you know put up all kinds of gaudy numbers throughout this season. And you look at him, and, and he's you know six foot two, one hundred and ninety pounds. So he's pretty well built, but he's not huge. You know, you watch him run, and he's kind of a long strider. He's not incredibly fast, but he just gets it done. I think there was one clip that he has on his huddle now uh, from from the uh, game against Celine, where he literally took off running to his left, cut all the way back to the right before scoring, and I believe on the play made nine different people miss. I mean, he's not somebody who looks like he's incredibly fast or incredibly quick, but he just gets it done. He came into the game completing 68% of his passes on the season for about 1,200 yards and, and 20 touchdowns. And he's got, you know, 10 more touchdowns on the ground versus Celine. He was 14 of 18 for 175 yards and two touchdown passes in each half. He also ran for 128 yards on 17 carries and another score. So ended up with five touchdowns produced in that game. All right. You got one more. Let Yep, last one I want to talk about is Cass City's uh, three-headed monster in the backfield. I kind of wanted to lump them all together because no, no one of them really stood out. It was just a monster game, though. They had that was well, this is one of, this is the one of the two games that I covered on Saturday. Uh, you've got Jordan Meester, Alex Perry, and Noah Zaleski. They combined for fifty-four rushes as a team. For 471 yards, 230 yards in the first quarter alone, the 50 points that Cass City put up was the most that Ithaca had allowed in 19 years. Wow. And when Scott Cuthrow was, yeah, what Scott Cuthrow was talking about, the postgame is kind of what they wanted to do, facing an Ithaca team that puts up lots and lots of points, spreads the field out. That was something we talked about last year. They just kind of wanted to grind the clock and chunk it out in three, four. And that's kind of with a, with a full house T offense, that's kind of, kind of what you want to do. But the problem was they weren't score, they weren't getting three or four yards per pop. They were getting twenty yards a pop. I mean, it was just you looked at the the Cass City kids, and it was even something Terry Hesbrook said after the game. They're just built bigger than the Ithaca kids. I mean, you look at those three in the backfield, and you know they're not huge guys, but they're they've got kind of that that thick lower half where you know they're going to run with power. They ripped off in the first half. Uh, Runs of 23, 55, 48, 36. Then, you know, since they're, they're, they've got kind of the misdirection going in the backfield, they had uh, two pass plays of 48 yards or longer. It was just huge chunk plays throughout the game. And Scott Cuthbert even said he knows where the ball is going. 
But when Bryce Fernald, their quarterback, puts it on his hip and hides it, he's like, sometimes I can't even tell where the ball is. I mean, it's one of those, as a as a photographer, you know this, Lauren, that it's hard when you can't figure out who has the ball. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's doubly hard on, on the defense. And as Terry Hasbrook said, kind of their strengths were the weaknesses for Ithaca. And, and it was just a total mismatch. I mean, Ithaca ended up scoring quite a few points because they, they kept, you know, they threw the ball a lot in the second half. But it was it, that was a dominating offensive performance by Cass City's three-headed monster. No doubt about it. One of the most shocking, uh, you know, games when I saw it. You know what yeah. the final score I did was. A double take on I, the I, score. I, I was stunned yeah. uh, that, especially what they did in the first half. I mean, they just yeah. took control, put their pedal to the metal, and Ithaca really just never had a chance in that game. Scott, your three prime time performers. So I'm going to start with uh, my all-time favorite player when it comes to uh, running backs in Oakland County that I've covered, Donovan Edwards from West Bloomfield. Uh, has gotten a reprieve on the Mr. Football. We thought it was over with, and uh, I'm not going to say whether he won or not the last time, but uh, you know he's got a chance now to uh, get that award, and um, <laughs> dare I say it's well-deserving if he does end up uh, bringing it home. There's a lot of uh, very, very um, capable candidates, but uh, he definitely put out uh, another – uh, exhibit, uh, you know, if it was a courtroom, this was his maybe exhibit B after his exhibit A in the uh, district finals two months ago when he ran for 146 and six touchdowns in the first half against Stevenson. He picked up right where he left off against Romeo and just shredded a very, very good Romeo defense. You know, where's Bruno Mars? Because this was 24 karat magic. This was dripping with finesse. Everything you would ever want in a running back. 246 yards, four touchdowns. Um, just carrying you know, guys into the end zone. Electricity personified. Uh, it was speed. It was power. It was finesse. It was field vision. It was such, you know, he runs with such determination, and that's what uh, Coach Rana said uh, uh, for Romeo that um, after the game commenting on, on Donovan's performance, and it was a blowout win, 52-14 for West Bloomfield. Um, and it was just all Donovan Edwards, I mean, the whole game. And, and, and he was uh, under center taking snaps. He took about 15 to 20% of the snaps at quarterback. He completed a 46-yard, uh, not touchdown, 46-yard pass downfield, um, had a – you know, had runs where he was plowing over people, had runs when he was running past people. Um, you know, he is off the leash, man. I mean, we've been talking for the last year about the uh, the load management factor with him and how West Bloomfield wasn't um, giving giving us the the full accompaniment of of Donnie Edwards. Uh, the arsenal wasn't you know wasn't being um, emptied but now the arsenal is, is being emptied and, and he's just it's just it's scorched earth um just a amazing amazing all-time great playoff performance by donnie edwards the the michigan commit uh my second one would be Deion brown over at davison uh, best story of the week i mean no question every great playoff run in any sport you're always going to have those moments where something you don't expect happens. Someone steps up to the plate in a major way and makes, you know, game-changing, season-changing uh, performances. And with Brendan Sullivan, the uh, 
All-State quarterback uh, who led Davis into the state championship last year and had an amazing 2019 season and then a really good 20 season, but had to go off and report to his college team at Northwestern um, last week and, and had to hand the reins over to Deion Brown, who's going to Wayne State as a wide receiver, but had played quarterback before um, in some seven-on-sevens. I believe he had some starts on JV. And it was like, you know, uh, it, it, it seemed like it was so seamless and it, and it seemed so effortless. Um, he made some big throws. He made the big throws when he had to make the throws. He, he, uh, I think he was, uh, he was very efficient. 12 of, 12 of 20, 150 yards, two touchdowns. And they were, they were big, big time throws. Um, and up against a Catholic up, league up, defense. Up against the defending Catholic league champions that are just, um, as formidable as they come and uh, chomping at the bit to, to get after the quarterback and, and Deion Brown's, you know, stood in the pocket, uh, withstood the pressure when he, when he needed to, when the pocket was collapsing, he got out of the pocket, um, threw one of his touchdowns to, um, Travion Warren, who, um, will be his teammate at, at, uh, at Wayne state. And, uh, just, you know, he saved the day and, and I, I'll, I'll, be the first one to admit that I was picking Catholic Central in this game because Brendan Sullivan wasn't on the field. Yeah, we and, all did. And Deion Brown uh, answered the call. And uh, just, again, one of those performances for the ages. People will be remembering that uh, at Davidson for, for years to come. And lots of credit's got to go to that D, uh, Davidson offensive line yeah. and the way that they played and uh, held guys at bay, gave Deion Brown time to survey the field or run if he needed to. Uh, fantastic job. Okay, who's number three? And then uh, my third one goes to Oak Park's Amari Harris, senior wide receivers, had a breakout second half of the season, uh, and then had you know probably the highlight catch of the year in one of the most <laughs> mir- you know, in a miracle comeback in the final 90 seconds of the game. It looked like it was all over with. Uh, Oak Park had, had driven down for what looked to be or could have been a game-winning touchdown and, and was denied. Um, some things happen. yeah it was fourth and two from about the six yard line like a minute 10 to a minute 10 to go um end up getting the ball back and james burnley uh put it over the shoulder that's the uh, burnley's the quarterback for oak park put it over amari harris's shoulder from about 45 yards with under a minute to go and amari laid out um you know that that's like dk metcalf style uh, Devontae Smith style, however you want to categorize it, just an amazing catch where he stretched his whole body, got the ball, secured the ball, and got the touchdown. And Oak Park is continuing that that Cinderella run. Uh, didn't have any wins in the regular season. We've spoken about it before. Obviously, uh, this Oak Park team is talented enough um, to have been possibly undefeated in the regular season, but ended up not winning a game. They've completely flipped the switch, turned the tide, and has taken advantage of this new playoff format this year, this kind of one-time playoff format where any, everybody got in the playoffs and uh, is playing some of the best football in the state right now. And Amari Harris has been a big reason. Him and uh, his his partner in the in the passing game, Kaishon Jackson, um, have been so key at, uh, in this run, as has James Burnley. Kaishon Jackson uh, was one of these uh, personnel shifts that Oak Park made to um, to flip that switch. They moved Kaishon from a cornerback to wide receiver. He had a touchdown in this game, but Amari Harris's uh, grab was so clutch, was so cold blooded. Um, 
and won and won the game for Oak Park. And Oak Park is now uh, in the Final Four for the first time in school history. Uh, this is Greg Carter's longest run with Oak Park. Uh, you know, obviously he's he's won four state championships and been to a couple more state championship games with with um, Depores. Yeah, he won the four with Depores, and then he was at the uh, in finals, the state finals with, with, with Inkster. Yeah. I wanted to say Ypsilanti. Okay. Inkster, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Amari Harris. Yeah. And then right after the game, Lawrence Tech comes in, gives him his first offer. Yep, I know. It was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really amazing. Uh, I got the chance to film that game. It was really amazing. Uh, game overall, it was really actually a, a fantastic game. Okay, I'll give you my three, and we're going to dovetail off that particular game that I was at. And you mentioned him already, and that's James Burnley, a guy who is who doesn't have offers uh, out there on the table for uh, you know six two guys got good size and just really played a phenomenal uh, football game. He was somebody who uh, you know we have to give credit to Livonia Church, who was a really good football team. Uh, came out, they had uh, a, a good strategy. Burnley was able to uh, and the offensive staff uh, call a really great game, throw when he needed to, run the ball when they need to. Uh, you know, get the necessary means to move the chains. And then Burnley, you know, in the uh, first quarter, he's facing a fourth and 22. Uh, they're they're about at the 30, I don't know, I think they're about the 25-yard line when it happened and uh, throws a strike to, I think I called him Keyshawn, but it's Kaishan Jackson. It might be pronounced okay, Keyshawn. Okay, okay. Uh, in the end zone, uh, which was a huge play right off the bat to uh, give Oak Park some life and some momentum uh, heading into it. And uh, he ran in a touchdown in the second quarter. Uh, real powerful run. It was about 10 yards. Just went ahead and took it. Got in the end zone. Converted two conversions, two key two-point conversions uh, in the game. One pushing the pile and one after the touchdown catch by Amara Harris that they needed to give it a seven-point lead so that uh, they, um, you know, who had to put the pressure on Churchill that they were going to have to score a touchdown uh, and, you know, complete the extra point in order to win or get the or to tie or get the conversion to win. So, uh, fantastic game by Burnley. Really respected his the way he played there. His transformation for the for that night's team has been the catalyst. Really, I mean, he's been the engine uh, for this remarkable run. And I we mentioned it last week. You know, he won the job in camp as a junior, but got injured the week before the regular season started, so he missed his junior year. So now he's making up for lost time as a senior, and it's just really, really playing some special football. Yeah, hope he gets a chance to play at the next level. I think he's earning it right now. So uh, my second guy is a running back from Frankenmuth. His name is Cole Lindau. And uh, interesting, uh, you know, game, you know, coming in, you know, Marine City and Frankenmuth, you know, really uh, Marine City, that perennial power that's that's always there. Frankenmuth, the team that has just been uh, getting better and better, it seems, has had a really good decade of football uh, for the Eagles. Um you know, they really uh, took command uh, after falling behind. Uh, you know, if they gave up a 51-yard touchdown after uh, Charles Tiger is the one who scored he, for Marine City. He had had a, an interception early. So momentum really swinging uh, their way. They kind of held him off in the second quarter, though. Uh, the junior Lindau, you know, had just an incredible run, knifed his way through right in the heart 
of the Mariner defense, uh, knocking guys down, stiff arming guys. You know, he was an All State honorable mention. Uh, you know, he had a 33 run, took him down to the one, then they ended up scoring uh, in the third. Uh, you know, it was it was really a pivotal game because we were we were knotted at seven. Real pivotal moment uh, to see who was going to collect momentum. Boom, gets the handoff, runs into a pile and just bounces off all of them. Breaks it to the outside. Great speed. 38-yard touchdown. He had 20 carries, 151 yards uh, in that game, and really was the catalyst for Frankenmuth to just take it from there. They went 31-7, which uh, was a lot more points uh, than I thought they would in that particular game, and uh, Cole Lindell gets a lot of credit. My last guy, uh, one of our Mr. Football candidates, and uh, you know we were really looking forward to the Muskegon-Mona Shores-East Lansing game, and it was a doozy. It was all that it was uh, wrapped up, you know, cracked up to be. Uh, but you've just got to give credit uh, to the way that Brady Rose leads his team. Uh, you know, it was tough early. You know, uh, East Lansing uh, was undefeated, had a really good game plan going in, played really tough. Uh, but you can only hold off Brady Rose for so long. He ended up having a game high, 204 rushing yards. He had two touchdowns on 15 carries. Uh, he had an 82-yard keeper, which was really a, a huge play right up the middle. And it's amazing the breakaway speed that this guy has. Uh, it's very deceptive. Uh, but that tied the game at seven in the second quarter. And then in the fourth, uh, and Give credit to East Lancer for coming back, but busted off a 48-yard uh, TD run early in the fourth that gave them that that cushion that uh, they weren't able to hold on to, and they did end up winning uh, at the end. But again, Brady Rose stepping up on the big stage against the best competition. I, I think Deion Brown was inspired by Brady Rose. I mean, we saw what happened last year. You know, in the semifinals, uh, Mona Shores lo loses. Uh, uh, Bro was it Brosma? Uh, uh, Brorsma, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yes, Brady Rose Brady comes Brady. in and, and leads him to the state championship. And I think Deion Brown is trying to follow that lead. Uh, another um, situation I kind of remember on a quick aside uh, where a, a, a backup quarterback had to come in at the last second and, and lead a state tournament run. Uh, back, I think it was about 10 years ago, Lake Orion won their first and only state title. Uh, Sean Charette, who had been a four-year starter, had taken Lake Orion to the finals as a freshman, got hurt in the playoffs, and a baseball player, Cole Shanzer, had to come in and ended up leading them to the state title. So, yeah, thankfully they had a, an incredible running, running back. Game, yeah. yeah, so but but there's there there has been a you know precedent set for no, for yeah. that to happen. And yeah, I, and I hope. Deion, Deion Brown is kind of the next in that line to to kind of finish that storyline because, like you said, it's it's a great it's a great story. Certainly makes it very very interesting. Makes yeah. Division One a little more wide open than uh, you know maybe we had thought. Uh, so lots of games. Uh, before we get to our top 10 state semifinal matchups, I need to recognize our terrific partners who support state champs and all of our endeavors on behalf of high school sports and also in supporting this podcast. The State Champs Network presenting sponsor of all of our programming is Lawrence Technological University. Over two dozen NAIA varsity sports at LTU. They want you and they've created a great way for you, the high school athlete who has dreams of playing college sports and getting a great 21st century education to recruit yourself. It's really simple. Go to ltuathletics.com, click on the recruit yourself link, fill out the short questionnaire. One of the coaches will get back to you within 48 hours. The website again is ltuathletics.com. 
State Chance Michigan Extra Point is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. Hungry Howie's famous for flavor and the presenting sponsor for years of the State Champs Michigan Mr. Football and Anvil Awards. The Detroit Athletic Club Foundation applications are being accepted online right now for this year's Michigan High School Male and Female Athlete of the Year nominations. Six male and six female to apply. All you need to have been is an all-state athlete or projected to be one this winter or spring. You need an overall 3.0 GPA. You need to have shown some school leadership. Maybe did some volunteering. Things like that. Uh, The deadline is in two weeks. And I have to say, we haven't been getting a flood of applications uh, like we did last year. And I realize that it's a bizarre year with uh, school online and all of that. So you have an opportunity uh, more than ever to be nominated for this award. And you cannot be nominated if you do not apply for this award. So the deadline is in two weeks. It's February 1st. And I'm sure that every single person who is listening right now knows someone, knows some high school athlete who could be a great candidate for this incredible award. We will celebrate our nominees. There will be a red carpet gala this spring at the Detroit Athletic Club in downtown Detroit. If you want to watch previous award shows, you could do that on the State Champs website or our social media. You can go to dacathleteoftheyear.com. That is where you will find the application. Download it or click on the banner on our homepage at statechampsnetwork.com. It'll take you to the website. The Detroit Medical Center, Rehabilitation Center of Michigan, and specifically those on the physical therapy and sports medicine team, are dedicated to making you the best student-athlete you can be. Whether it's sports-specific training or surgery and injury rehabilitation, the pros at the DMC are there for you. Check out our DMC Game Changer segments, which you can find the playlist on our YouTube page. Just search State Champs TV or check them out on the State Champs Michigan Facebook page. These are all segments we produce together on Sunday. Subjects such as sensory training, feet strengthening, believe it or not, feet strengthening, it's important. Incredible innovations they'd like to offer you, like the recovery boot or important facts and information you need to know regarding injuries such as concussions. You can watch the segment on warming up with great simple tips to get ready for competition and prevent injury. That segment was in our State Champs Michigan show we just premiered on Sunday. Find it and watch the dozens of highlights we created of regional weekends. A great show. The DMC's Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan is the only freestanding rehabilitation hospital in Southeast Michigan solely dedicated to physical sports medicine and rehabilitation, providing hope and healing to patients for over 65 years. And finally, speaking of regional weekend, the winners in all divisions are now part of the state's final four and EA graphics has created quote-unquote, the four specially designed apparel with the teams who made it in each division and with their school logos. As the exclusive provider of the MHSAA championship merchandise, EA Graphics has raised the level to commemorate and celebrate your distinguished season. You can order all of the championship gear for the recent state finals for golf, tennis, cross-country, and soccer, as well as this brand-new specially designed the four merchandise. Get it all by going to shopmhsaa.com. All right, 
We are back to the show now, and it is time to get into our top 10 best state semifinal matchups. So Scott and Matt shared me what they felt their top 10 would be. I kind of mixed the two together and uh, came up with uh, our top 10 for this week. And the first game uh, we want to talk about, and Matt, we'll start with you, is our number 10 matchup, which is Schoolcraft and New Lothrop. Yeah, this one's got a chance. I mean, it, it depends on how well the defense is played. This has a chance to be a very high-scoring game simply because both of these teams can score with anybody in the state. I mean, you remember a couple of years ago when New Lothrop won the state title and they had a quarterback going to Grand Valley and they had a running back going to Missouri. That team uh, scored 619 points on the season, 44 Point two per game. This year's team is scoring 50 points per game. They've hit 63 times. I mean, it's just, they just kind of reload there at New Lothrop with, you know, guys like Will Muron and Cam Orr and Julius Garza, all who play both ways, but are just absolutely sensational players. Schoolcraft can also score with anybody. They've averaged 42 plus points per game over the last three years. They've even put up 21 points on a Chelsea team that's still playing, right. although some of that was after the game was a little bit out of hand. Earlier this season, you got a quarterback going to Grand Valley and Alex Toll, who's passed for nearly 7,000 yards in his career, 82 touchdowns. He, he does have, he has thrown some interceptions this year. That would be the, the you know, if you've got a guy like Will Muron or Julius Garza back there who has a penchant for picking off the ball. But he's got weapons. Toll has got weapons all over the place. It's six foot six wide receiver and Harmon DeVries, a slot receiver and Jimmy Downs, who's all over the place. Jet God at wide receiver and Tag God at running back. The difference in this game, in my mind, might be the playoff experience. This is the first regional title for Schoolcraft since 2001 when they won the D6 title. They've been 79-20 and 20 since 20-12, and 12, but they were only 9-8 and eight in the playoffs. They really haven't had tremendously deep runs. For New Lothrop, this is the fifth trip to the semifinals since 2010. So that overall deep run in the playoffs experience where, you know, some of these kids – maybe played as freshmen or, or sophomores in, you know, some of the earlier playoff games that that were blowouts, that that counts. I mean, those are the kind of things that you learn from. And I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I think it should be a fun game to watch. But I still think New Lothrop comes out at the end. Yeah, this is a Division 7 matchup, and uh, the winner will take on uh, either Traverse City, St. Francis, or Cass City, who we talked about uh, earlier in the program. And Lothrop uh, uh, just delivering the goods against Detroit Loyola. Wasn't even close, 41-7 to in final. Schoolcraft beating a very good and very, uh, you know, prominent longtime perennial power, Jackson Lumen Christie, 29-22, to finding a way to get it done. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to go with Schoolcraft in this matchup. Um, you know, Alex told to me, you know, one of the most, if not the most underrated quarterbacks um, in the state, just a, a true gunslinger. And uh, Matt, you know, uh, called out his receiving core, and, and, and they're very talented. Uh, I particularly love, obviously, DeVries is a, a big, big target downfield, but I love Jimmy Downs. Um, he's going to be following uh, Toll to Grand Valley. Uh, and I think that that connection uh, between Toll and Downs is the difference uh, in the game. And I'm going I'm to pick Schoolcraft in a, in a mini upset. Wow, that, that that would be an upset. And they did beat a Constantine team that uh, gave them their only loss uh, this season uh, in week one, which is, uh, you know, Constantine being a, D a Division Six team. Uh, interesting. I, I'm going to take New Lothrop. 
Uh, what say you, Matt? Yeah, I, I still think New Lothrop. I mean, it's it's. I think the experience plays a factor. Let's get to our number nine ranked top state semifinal we're looking forward to this weekend and that is uh talking about the team we uh, just talked quite a bit about that is oak park this is division two oak park taking on warren de la salle we'll start with you scott well this is turning out to be a kind of an almost an annual affair where uh oak park and de la salle uh lock horns in the playoffs um the last game i think was a couple years ago uh, you know, was was a bit controversial. Um, a lot of Oak Park fans feeling that they got the short end of the stick, uh, official wise. So you know, they kind of are going to go into that game with with a bigger chip on their shoulder than they already have entering the playoffs uh, at zero and six. Um, they're now I think five and five officially because they got one of those right wins back because of a forfeit. Yep, yep. Um, the yeah, there was uh, the forfeit was the Groves game. Uh, so yeah, they are they are five and five. You know, yes. De La Salle is kind of, in some ways, being overshadowed by Oak Park because the De La Salle story is almost just as amazing as the Oak Park story. Yeah, there were people that were calling for Coach Roan's head uh, after you know he came came down here from from West Ottawa and won some state championships. Yeah, they were two and four, and, and they weren't playing great football. And uh, I think they made a quarterback shift. Uh, they moved the senior out, and uh, or did they move him out? I think they just moved him uh, to the to the defensive side of the ball uh, and, and made him a slot back. But they brought in Brady Drogosh, um, who's who's played really well. He had a, a great regional game, just mixing it up, uh, accuracy, field vision, composure, and command in the in the pocket. Nice uh, smooth release. Uh, and then you got, you know, the heart and soul of, of that team is Brett Stanley, great leader, uh, you know, the, you know, kind of the definition of what you want in a team captain and just a gritty, gritty runner who can also catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, it's it's going to be another classic, I think. Uh, if I had to pick, I'd say Oak Park's going to get to the finals. I think they're a team of destiny right now. Um, but whoever wins will be the first team in MHSA history to make the state finals with a losing record. Yeah, so that there is that. There's no doubt about it. And and you're right. I mean, about how we felt uh, about uh, you know this particular Warren D. LaSalle team. I mean, you know, Dewitt really handed it to him. Forty-three to three was the final in that one in week four. Uh, Cast Tech blanked him thirty-five nothing. It just didn't look like against the really solid competition. You know, Catholic Central eked out a win. It was fourteen ten. It was well, close. I think that, that first week against. Um... Brother Rice against Brother Rice, losing where, where, the way where they Rice did. won in overtime. Yeah. It seemed to kind of deflate yeah. uh, De La Salle for the next like month, <laughs> right? And then they 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 kind of slowly started to chip away and 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 get used to to uh, Dan Roan's system and no doubt and adapt and rally around Brett Stanley, who again is is really the locker room leader there and a guy that uh, you know kind of fuels them with emotion. And now they're they're playing great football. I mean, they've only given up nine points in our last three games. Uh, they have smoked the competition here in the playoffs. All four wins: fifty-eight, fourteen, thirty-five, six, thirty-six, nothing, forty-five to three on Saturday. And again, Roseville, Lakeview, uh, Warren Mott, a team that traditionally, defensively, you would think is uh, is somebody who is going to put up a and, real big fight. And Port Huron was having a good season. And let me also just say, and I think we've mentioned this before um, when we've talked about it, you know, historically with Brother Rice. Uh, I think they. They won a state championship uh, coming off a, 
a five and four regular season. Um, I think the Catholic League Central might be the only league in the state where you could see this kind of stuff happen. I mean, obviously we're seeing it from Oak Park and the OAA, but but on a on a you know a year in year year out basis, the Catholic League Central is the only league that I think can, can produce a team that was kind of average or subpar during the regular season that because of that league it prepares you so well and the competition in that league is so fierce that it could propel an average regular season or below average regular season into a state finals or, or to a state championship because I, I think it, I think it was the first of the of the three peat that Fracasa had at the end of his career uh, with Brother Rice where they entered the playoffs five and four and ended up winning the state. Well, there's no question, Matt. We've never had a state semifinal where you have a team that is 5-5 five and five and a team that is 6-4 and four <laughs> playing for the right to go to Ford Field. Uh, and obviously, whoever wins this game will take on uh, either Traverse City Central or Muskegon-Mona Shores, which we will talk about in a little bit. That's one of our other uh, top games. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Knights and uh, the Pilots? Well, if in future years, if we ever, you know, begin to have that discussion about why, maybe we should let everybody into the playoff, kind of like Indiana always had with the, you know, all class where it, it, you could, because you always use the example as that one outlier where somebody from the smallest, you know, division makes some sort of miraculous run to the finals. And that's well, the that, one that's, that's always what Indi- held up as the standard. Right. That's what this, Indiana used- this will be held up as the standard if yep. one of these two teams wins the title. It was just because I was living in Indiana when that whole debate was going on about whether or not they should move from the full, uh, you know, all-encompassing state tournament to the divisions. And it was such a fierce debate, but kind of playing off what Matt said, the, the, the pro, let's keep it as one whole state tournament, would always like talk about these these examples like back in 1967 when Shenandoah, right. it's like, yeah, but that was 45 years ago. Right. Sorry, I just right. made me think of that when Matt was talking about that, that one time. Well, and, but right, and so many of the teams that came into the playoffs either you know overmatched. There were a lot of teams in the first couple of rounds. The MHSA even set it up that way that you didn't have to play if you didn't want to. You could opt out. There were several teams that opted out before it started. There were a couple that opted out. You know, like so you you forget how many of those teams maybe got crushed in the first couple of rounds when these two teams you know, made it through. But I, I think we, we, you know, you kind of talked about it earlier when Dan Ron came in from Grand Rapids, West Catholic, he had just, you know, all kinds of playoff experience, but this wasn't a case of, you know, bringing in a coach with experience like that to resurrect a program. You didn't really have to resurrect anything. All you really had to do was almost as much as anything, you even touched on it, Scott, get their confidence back get everything that happened last year behind them, get to a point where they felt good about themselves, get to a point where they, you know, put the uh, not-so-great regular season behind them. And as Brett Stanley even said after last week's game, they know what to do in the playoffs. These kids have as much, you know, playoff experience, practical experience in the playoffs as Coach Ron does. I mean, they know what to do. It's not like they've not been here before. I think with an Oak Park, when you saw Greg Carter come in there, they'd never had success. So it was a totally different rebuilding process. And he's gotten them to the point where now, you know, expectations are high enough. But I think, yeah, this this could be one of those. Because really, I mean, you look at it, and in whichever team wins this game, you can't say they, they aren't they don't have a chance in the finals oh, against no whoever question. comes Absolutely. through. So you could realistically be looking at one of these two teams as a state champion 
with you know a 500 record or just above it just it would just absolutely be mind-boggling and and of course it would be always that one where you're you know you're scrolling through the list and you see it and you go oh yeah i remember that the last thing i'll say i think and this is just kind of crystallizing in my head as we're having this conversation i think this year's oak park team which has less star power yes they have two kids that are going to go play in the big 10 and rayshon benny and davion prim going to a michigan state but this team does have you know in terms of recruiting stars i don't want to say considerably less but less than the last handful of teams and i actually think that bodes well for oak park people aren't worrying about uh, what college they're and, and then another thing that bodes well for them is that there were no you know traditional visits because I can recall the last couple of years where I would I'd be monitoring some of these Oak Park kids and it seemed like they were more interested in the visit they were taking on Saturday to Purdue or to Michigan or to Nebraska than they were on what was going on Friday at Oak Park Night Football Stadium. So I think this year with having the James Burnleys and the Amari Harrises and the Keyshawn Jacksons that don't have the offers is actually playing a big role in this in this miraculous playoff push. No question about it. Uh, when the, when Oak Park was walking off the field, uh, and of course they knew I was within earshot, uh, and you know they were basically so full of confidence, uh, you know. They just won the school's first regional championship. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to think about that, but they've never won one. They'd been in it several times, and you know, in within the last decade, just had never won. And getting over that hump, the way they came back and won, that is a lot of times you it's oh my god, the Cinderella story, destiny. I mean, they are believers. Well, it starts to and get they in were, your, it starts to get in your head. You, no you, you have enough of playoff flame outs, yeah. which they've had. Yeah. It, it begins to kind of in the back of your head being like, is this going to be another time where we go into the playoffs and don't live up to expectations? There's no the, There was no expectations. The this year. celebration you would have seen when Churchill made that fourth and two stop with about, you know, 90 seconds left to go in the game or whatever it was. Uh, you know, the entire sidelines up and down. We're at Churchill High School, so the fans they do have there are just losing their minds. Super excited. What a great win this is going to be for Churchill. Uh, and Oak Park just calmly goes back to where it goes down the field, and history is, is, is made. Uh, and then, you know, there was still a minute left in the game when Churchill got the ball back, moved down to midfield before the pressure of Rayshon Benny and company forced um, – the quarterback to throw that Gavin Brooks. yeah Gavin Brooks to throw the interception which is what sealed it um so you know incredible the way they did Warren De LaSalle a lot of these seniors they're they're they were on that state championship team a few years ago in 2018 or 17 when whenever that was I have a right I think it was 18 um yeah, yeah. and uh, against uh, Mona Shores so you know the, those kids were on that they know what it takes uh they too have fought adversity this year, maybe more than anybody. And it, we are not that far removed from the biggest football scandal we had in this state I mean, that just year. shocked yeah, everybody. A, a year uh, and, of course, resulted in the in the eventual departure of Mike Giannone as their head coach. That was a huge thing to overcome for these kids. Uh, you know, not just... Dis- dis- uh, 
dismissing no. what took place and, and those who took part in it. Another tip uh, of the hat to the team captains, guys like Brett Stanley and the, right. and the other leaders of that team that made sure that, you know, and a tip, every, everyone stayed focused. And a tip of the hat to the coach having to come yeah. in and deal with all of that. And from what I've heard about Coach Ron, and, and again, this is another tribute to his, uh, you know, what he's been able to do. He hasn't moved his family. I think he's sta- from what I heard. He's like in a rented house by himself, like in Troy, with his family still out west, kind of finishing up. Uh, you know, making sure that they get everything um, finished. I think he might have some kids in school, uh, a- a- and then they'll come. They'll come um, join him in Metro Detroit. But you know, he's kind of a a, a one man show now, and just kind of it- it's it's more than just taking over a program it's getting used to a whole different part of the state and getting used to the culture of the catholic league and all of that and and he's just you know done a really good job at uh adjusting after some initial growing pains so with all that said uh and i'm sure the oak park faithful probably want me to pick against them just because uh i did uh last week and i'm gonna do it again i think warren de la salle just as collective unit i think it's gonna be another really close game uh, but I think eventually, I think they've got uh, the means to get over the top. I'm taking uh, De La Salle. How about you, Matt? I'm going to ride the storyline. I'm going to okay. go with Oak Park. All right. I, I think I think it's a coin flip, quite yeah. honestly, between the it's two. Awesome. But I think well, that's how it came up when I. We need it, and I haven't seen the picks layout from this past weekend and who did what. Matt and I are kind of Matt was one, I was two, and in, in the overall competition here so we need some separate we had a lot of the same picks and we lost a lot of the same games uh this weekend so it looks like we'll have one different there okay we got to move on uh because we're already uh kicking at like 45 minutes here in in this podcast so we're not going to do 90 minutes like we did last time so uh we're gonna we're gonna start to move through this uh all right our number eight top 10 best state semifinal is in division eight and that is clarkston everest Hosting Centerville, if you want to call it hosting, it's at the Leggy Center in Brighton, so they'll be back indoors again uh, uh, on Friday night at seven o'clock. So that's a Friday night game. Centerville nine and zero up against uh, unbeaten Everest Collegiate. Matt, what say you? I actually saw Everest when they played at Legacy Center last weekend, beat a, a Summerfield team uh, that was that also came into the playoffs sub five hundred. Very good balance of power and speed on offense with Jack Lyshevsky, the big power back, and speed with guys like Jimmy Nemi and Dominic Cross and Johnny Nedwick and Joey Thibodeau and the maestro, Gio Mastro Mateo at quarterback. They ended up having to run a lot more than they wanted to because Summerfield was kind of flooding the deeper zones and, and keeping them from passing, so they kind of went more with, with the run. And that was a game that I talked about where it got a little messy in the second quarter where there are a lot of turnovers. I think the the key team that probably has gone underlooked in this entire playoffs is how good Centerville has been and how historic their run is on. They'd never won a district title coming into this year. They beat Reading, the two-time defending DA champions in the district finals, but they're just they're so stifling on defense. They've only allowed 29 points all season. 14 of that came in that win over Reading. They, you know, stifled the Sand Creek team that had one, I think, one loss all season long coming in. 
they didn't allow a play longer than 10 yards all game, picked off the quarterback twice. And that was a Sand Creek team that was led by an all-stater in Will Alexander who had 2,200 yards and 30 touchdowns coming in, held him to 86 yards, held White Pigeon to 109 yards in the district semis. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because neither of these programs have really, really been on the big stage. I mean, Everest has kind of popped up, you know, since they separated from Waterford Our Lady of the Lakes in 2013. They've won 77% of their games since then, and they've done a lot of good things in the Catholic League. They've won some Catholic League titles. They've gone 45-8 and eight over the last five seasons. Still, this was their first regional title and only their second district title. It's the first 10 win season. So they've not really been on this stage either. So it'll kind of, you know, be interesting to see if kind of the big stage, so to speak, impacts either of them at this point. Didn't seem like Everest was at all flapped last week, you know, and I didn't get to see Centerville, but it'll be interesting to see if that becomes a factor if these teams go on. But I think it should be a good matchup because it should, it's a, it's a very good offense that Everest has, and their defense was very, very stout against Summerfield last week and against a Centerville team that just does not allow much. Absolutely. Scott, your thoughts. And, and I will just say real quick, because uh, I'm not going to uh, opine on, on this matchup. I've seen Everest Collegiate. I really love the way they play. Uh, I got to see them in the Catholic League championship game uh, when they dismantled Riverview Gabriel Richard. Um, Richard was coming in with a lot of momentum in that game. And uh, it's all, of course, uh, you know, begins and ends with Giovanni Mastro Mateo. Uh, but he has got a myriad of weapons. And like you said, if they're not able to throw it, which they do outstandingly, uh, they'll run the ball and they'll they'll beat you there and they'll make big plays. They'll break off huge chunks of yardage. Uh, I love them all the way to the state finals, and I could say that now. So that's my team, Scott. Yeah, this is what I would call a program game for for Clarkson Everest. This this game is is being played, um, uh, you know, to validate Everest as a state power, a small school state power. Um, they're kind of, we spoke about it, you know, in the past, they're kind of a microwave dynasty, uh, didn't exist until about eight years ago. And, um, <laughs> they've, 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 they've taken the, the small school ranks in the state by storm, made the playoffs every year. Uh, they've won the, the Catholic league, a lower division, three straight seasons, um, but have not made that real long run in the playoffs yet, which you need to kind of validate yourself as that uh, small school state power that uh, that they're trending towards. So I expect uh, this to kind of be that, uh, I don't want to say coronation because they, they're not winning the state championship yet, but um, if they get this win, I think you, you can, can, can finally say that they've taken that next step um, to go play at Ford Field. They have a, a, a lot of experience playing at for, I shouldn't say a lot. They have experience playing at Ford Field in the in the Catholic League uh, championship. Um, their first Catholic League championship was at Ford Field. Their second one was at uh, Eastern Michigan, and then their third one was at uh, Catholic Central. But uh, the one thing I'll say, well, first let me talk about Centerville. Uh, Jerry Schultz doing a great job in his first year as the head coach, and they have an underrated quarterback in Sam Todd. Um, that you got to be, you know, aware of and, and uh, you know, keep in check. And then I'll say for for Clarks and Everest, I think this year is the most versatile they've ever been, and the most balanced they've ever been. Um, and they're not relying nearly as much on the maestro, the magic man, uh, uh, Giovanni Master Matteo, to just win them games like I think they were the last couple years. And now. A lot of that responsibility is falling on the shoulders of Jack Leshetsky, 
who is again more than answered the bell because he is a workhorse, um, just a, a, a real bell cow of a, a running back, and uh, that just kind of makes Giovanni fresher and and uh, um, more apt to to kind of bite you when when you're kind of focusing all your uh, attention on on the various weapons. So that that level of versatility, I think, has been a reason that that uh, Everest has taken that next step as a program. And I expect Everest to win this game, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close. And, you know, one of the reasons I really think that gives them a distinct advantage, they're going to be able to play three weeks indoors uh, going into the state finals if they do win this one, uh, where Ubley and Johannesburg-Lewiston, you know, they'll be at Thurbley uh, Field in Traverse City. Who knows what it's going to be like out there? Uh, Battle-tested, no question about it. Um, but, uh, you know, when... Everything is even, especially when it comes to weather. Boy, it's just it's, the Everest Collegiate just has so many athletes. Uh, so I'm taking them. And uh, what about you, Matt? Who are you taking? I'm going to take Everest. Okay. All right. So there that is. Guys, before we get into uh, the number seven matchup, I just want to take a real quick timeout so that uh, we can bring you this important message from the MHSAA. The love of the game draws us to sports as players, coaches, spectators, and officials. For officials, it's a way to stay in the game they once played, to feel the thrill of putting on the uniform, stepping out of the playing surface, hustling to make the call, and building the relationships which can only be built in sports. If you still have that love for the game, we always need new officials. Register now at MHSAA.com. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. All right, thank you very much. We are back, and uh, this is moving a little slower than I thought. But again, we all have we have good stuff that we want to say uh, about all these games. So if it ends up being a ninety minute podcast, so be it. Hopefully not. Uh, but uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying this. And uh, uh, again, we'll break these up too, uh, so that if you don't want to consume the entire thing, we'll break them up uh, per game, so that you guys can enjoy it that way on social media. Okay, our number seven, top ten. Uh, state semifinal going into this weekend. It is Freeland at Grand Rapids Catholic Central. So we're talking about a Division Five matchup. Nine and one Freeland, nine and zero GRCC. And uh, as we step into this, and Scott, we will be starting with you on this breakdown. Uh, and you know. If it wasn't Brady Rose, it was going to be Jace Williams that I had as our primetime performer from the regional. He, re- uh, yeah, he, really, needed, another, he really needs to get mentioned. Set another record uh, and uh, or or expanded his record uh, and uh, had an amazing catch in the back of the end zone uh, in in their uh, big win over Muskegon Oak Ridge 58-7. to But Go ahead, Scott. Can you hold on one? Oh, okay. Let's start with you, Matt. Scott's checking something out. Yeah, and, and for some reason, we uh, it, I'll take the blame for this one. When we were talking about Jace Williams in the uh, um, Mr. Football race earlier on, there, there was some confusion about how many career touchdowns he had. I thought he had already broken this record or was at least getting close to it. But, yes, with his third touchdown uh, last week, he became the all-time uh, leading all-time touchdown reception leader passing JT Jones. That was way back in 2003, I think. I don't I was there, but I don't remember because it was 100 years ago, it feels like. Um, Freeland is one of these teams. I, we know how good Grand Rapids Catholic Central is. They've been just dominating. 21 straight games they've won now. They've been at least to the semifinals every year since 2016. Freeland hasn't been there since 1998. This is a program that's always been – 
reasonably good, but they've also always been in a conference with another team, be it Frankenmuth, which is their, their only loss this year, um, or, you know, Swan Valley, whoever it is. They've always been kind of the second fiddle to that. Also always been kind of a team that that is very conservative with the ball on offense. Don't pass the ball a whole lot. Even going back to the days of George Eiler, the, the former Saginaw Valley and, and uh, Saginaw Arthur Hill coach that, that took over Freeland late in his career, you know, running the two tights and running the, the very tight formation. They've always been a very conservative team. Bryson Huckabee, their quarterback this year, averaging 139 yards a game passing but for Freeland, that's like saying he's averaging a billion. I mean, he, he's a very good quarterback. It, 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 they've kind of come out of that comfort zone of, of always just running the ball. He's got a, a good receiver in Easton Armstrong who's got five touchdowns receiving. He also has got a, a kick return and three touchdowns rushing, kind of one of those do-it-all guys. I think the interesting part is they've got 29 sacks as a team defensively. Ben Wellnitz has eight of those. And that, if you're going to slow down Grand Rapids Catholic Central and put pressure on them, is if you can manage to corral Joey Silveri, then you've got a chance. Now, that's easier said than done. But if you can put pressure on him, that, that's probably a good starting point. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They got their work cut out for them because this Grand Rapids Catholic Central program, uh, by far, if you are ranking programs over the last, let's say, five years, you take that that moment in time and say who have been the programs that are the most consistent, the most dominant, the most uh, feared. Uh, GRCC is one of them. And then just look at the uh, the woodshed beating they, they gave to Birmingham Detroit Country Day last year. Uh, Joey Football putting on a, a primetime performance, uh, you know, hooking up with Jade, uh, Jace Williams and and um, just, you know, stretching the field like like uh, a Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I'm really excited to see that quarterback matchup between Joey Silveri and Bryson Huckabee. Huckabee had a good year last year. It was kind of trending towards what he was going to do this season in terms of, um, you know, the stats that Matt has mentioned. He's also a, a All-State candidate on the basketball floor, one of these, you know, two-sport dynamos and, um, you know, Freeland kind of goes the way of Huckabee um, and Catholic Central kind of goes the way of all of their weapons. So I think that that depth is going to be the, the difference here. And uh, Joey Silveri is going to put another notch on his belt and, and get this team closer to a, to a, another state title. And I just think Joey football, AKA Joey Silveri is just a, a very, very, um, He's the type of kid that I'm surprised does not have more interest. Um, and I'm not I'm not talking about him being a, a Big Ten recruit because I don't necessarily think he is. But I'm surprised that the GLIAC schools haven't been more um, active in his recruitment. Maybe that will change after he uh, posts another state championship and, and does it in the, in the uh, very dynamic way that he plays. Well, if we get uh, – so I'm assuming you're taking Catholic Central. I'm taking GRCC. Matt, you're taking Catholic Central. Okay, yes. he, he nods yes, and uh, I am as well. If we do get uh, Catholic Central and Frankenmuth, I mean, that's the matchup that I, I would like to see. I mean, Lansing Catholic is a good program, and I think it's going to be a great game. 
Uh, but uh, we're not talking about that one. But uh, I'm just saying I think the most exciting matchup uh, just in terms of uh, offensive uh, capabilities uh, would love would be that match. The Frankenmuth Russian attack yeah. versus the Joey Baker, Alex Waters, right. Lansing Catholic, a uh, little bit more uh, vertical offense. Yeah, exactly. I can't think of his name right now, but uh, the Frankenmuth quarterback uh, is um, outstanding. Ro- Roach? No, he was the other one to me. Yes. Anyway, I'm, I apologize. But uh, anyway, he, he did fantastic. He scored the, the last touchdown uh, in the game. Uh, that was a, a beautiful run cutting up in the middle. And again, you know, they can just beat you so many different ways. Okay, let us. Uh, so we're all taking uh, Grand Rapids Catholic Central. Oh, well, look at what our number six matchup is. It's the one we're just getting ready to talk about. And that is Lansing Catholic and Frankenmuth. Uh, so um, these Con- kind of Connor, goes. Connor, I didn't, you know, honestly, I hadn't even looked at the list. I, I didn't know if that that had uh, Connor Roach. That in, Connor, so. Roach. Connor Roach was yeah. the uh, receiver that I believe who made the play. He actually bounced off the referee, which is really uh, unique in in one of the touchdowns that uh, uh, they scored uh, in their win. Um, but uh, all right, let's talk about it, Matt. We'll start with you, Lansing Catholic and Frankenmuth. It's it's gonna be kind of a contrast in styles a little bit as scott was just saying a minute ago you know you've got a very diverse vertical offense in in lansing catholic and a very you know kind of pounded out defensive team in frankenmuth this lansing catholic team obviously had to replace quite a bit from last year's state title team um they're really balanced though 134 yards per game in the air 134 yards per game in the, on the ground you've got a new quarterback in joey baker who's just kind of taken over and you know rolled with it but it, scott even mentioned his name alex waters is the guy that you have to watch in in this game or any other games that he plays the rest of this season you got a little glimpse of him last year in the state finals although he was overshadowed by some of the upperclassmen 700 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns 600 yards rushing he's over 2,000 all-purpose yards has eight interceptions on defense each of the last three games he's topped 100 yards in rushing and he had three picks in the win over gross eel he's returned three kicks for touchdowns and two punts dude is electric what they're going to have to go against is a front seven from Frankenmuth that is overpowering. They're called the Locusts for good reason. They held Marine City to 86 yards of offense and four first downs. They've allowed and one was a 51 yard and one was a 51 yard pass play uh, that yeah. I mentioned to uh, to Charles Tiger. So uh, yeah, 51 of that came in one play. Yeah, it's it's just it's that front seven is going to be. You know, if if the Lansing Catholic offensive line can handle it, then they have a chance. If they can spread it out, they can, you know, do some side-to-side stuff. But if that front seven overwhelms them the way that it did Marine City, it could be a very long game. Who we got? Uh, I think the quarterback we were talking about at Franklin was Devin Reef. That's him. I think yeah, it's that... actually pronounced Rife, Rife, I believe. Yes. Okay. So, but yes, Devin Rife. Um he had a really good game. And, and uh, Joey Baker actually took over for Alex Waters, who was playing quarterback last year. Alex Waters, again, is just one of these uh, kind of Swiss Army knife types that uh, also is really good on the basketball floor. And uh, I think he's a pretty good baseball player, too. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a really interesting contrast of styles. Uh, I'm really excited for this. Um, that, that, that makes for the best type of playoff matches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been – tracking Joey Baker 
uh, all season, and I, I really like what what we, what we've been able to see from him. Um, he's taken major strides and and has you know established himself as one of the the best signal callers in the Lansing area. And uh, I, I'm going to say that's the difference. And uh, the Baker to Waters connection um, gets them uh, a, a, a very narrow victory. Yeah, Lansing Catholic are the defending state champs uh, in Division Five, and they, uh, uh, you know, really took it to Almont last year, or Almont. I wish I said Almont. Almont. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, yeah, uh, but um, I like again. I, I'm I'm just going with what what I I've seen and what I can. Uh, make it educated guest then, and uh, I believe in a, in a close game. Frankenmuth at home, Matt. Yeah, I'm I'm going to take Frankenmuth, and much much as I uh, I have a long history with the Ahern family, that yeah. uh, I'm going to go with Frankenmuth in this one. Well, again, maybe it'll be the fuel to the fire, the audio billboard they play inside yeah. the locker room as they prepare to take the field. Uh, our number five, top ten, best state semifinal, Traverse City Central at Muskegon Mona Shores. This is a matchup in Division Two. Uh, two teams who are coming in uh, with a lot of momentum. Uh, two very good programs. I believe this should be a very good game. Uh, Traverse City Central, uh, although North Farmington played well in spurts. Gave, gave him a scare in the first half. No question. Uh, it was all TCC. No. Uh, for the majority of that game. And again, we talked about the Mona Shores East Lansing game and, and Mona Shores finding a way to win. Uh, you know, when people think Traverse City Central, the first name that comes up is Josh Burnham, and it's uh, warranted. You know, he's a, a, a marquee talent, someone that is a beast on defense, sideline to sideline. That's why he's a blue chip recruit as a linebacker, but he also plays a little quarterback, and it's very tough to bring down because he is just a, a monster of an athlete. But we cannot overlook the fact that Traverse uh, City Central has other college uh, recruits and guys like Carson Briggs and Austin Bills who just bring a, um, a, level, a level of... Anvil grit. candidate Carson Briggs yeah. there, must, must say that. So, I mean, they just have so much grit on that on that on that roster um and uh it, it it's it's fun to watch i watched the replay of of the uh, north farmington game and um i didn't give north farmington uh much of a chance in that game and i think it, it bodes well for um traverse city central moving forward that they they uh played close in the first half mm -hmm. and then had to kind of um Impo impose their will in the like, second half. Like most teams, it took a half to get yeah. the, get the gears going again in high school football for Imp all teams. So impose their will in the second half, but you know it's going to be a it's going to be a, a clash of of titans when they when they go up against Mona Shores and, and Brady Rose. And um, I know that that Traverse City Central um, defense ended up uh, turning over Jacob uh, uh, Busamra, the the um, all league quarterback for North Farmington. I think they picked him four times. Um, which ended up being the difference in the second half uh, of, of the game on Saturday. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be that easy. And, and, and Jacob Bosama is, is a really good quarterback. But uh, Brady Rose is just so dialed in, and that Mona Shores team seems so, um, you know, kind of clicking on all cylinders. Um, it's going to be difficult to, to upend them. But uh, I think this will be a close game. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm gonna pick Mona Shores by uh, 
four or five points at the end. All right. So Mona Shores, the um, home team on that one. So they'll be hosting that game. Uh, what What do you think, Matt? Well, I think it's interesting. Scott hit it on a little bit. You've got two guys playing quarterback in this in this game who probably are not going to on the next level. You know, Brady Rose is is a very good high school quarterback, and he's so dynamic. But he's probably you know a slot returner or slot uh, receiver, kick returner, defensive back in college. Same thing with Josh Burnham. Josh Burnham is a linebacker, but when they looked at it at the start of the season, you know, he won the, the competition because he's an incredible athlete. Came into the regional finals with 30 total touchdowns created, 16 passing, 13 rushing, and one receiving. He, he's just one of those kids that has that it factor. And you mentioned a lot of his other weapons. One you, one you didn't mention, Carson Bordeaux, who is the defensive back, who's got nine interceptions on the season coming into last week, had returned two of them for touchdowns. This is one of those. We know where Mona Shores has been over the last decade. They've been building toward becoming almost a dynasty. They've been, you know, this will be, if they win this game, they'll be in the finals for the third straight year. This is the deepest Traverse City Central has been since 1988 when they won their second Class A title in four seasons. It's been a slow build back up to this. Because Traverse City back in the 80s was one of the dominant powers, one of those schools. And then they split the two schools apart and made Central and West in 1997. And the Traverse City High School that became Central dropped from 3,300 students to 1,600 students in 97 and went 0-9 immediately that first year it took them six seasons to get back to 500 and make the playoffs again they went 53 and 51 from 2003 to 2013 made the playoffs only four times this is now their fourth nine win season since 2012 they've made the playoffs every year since 2014 and they've been kind of building toward this they've already scored 90 more points than they scored all of last season this is the third time since 1950 they've topped the 400 point mark do I think they're going to knock off Mona Shores on the road? Yeah, I don't know. But I think even when you look at because typically in the last decade or so, we haven't, you know, given even the champions of the Big North a tremendous amount of credit and being statewide contenders. I think this may be the best representative of the Big North we've had in a long time. I think they have a chance to go on the road and knock them off. I'm probably still going to pick them on the shores, but I think this should be a very good matchup. Yeah, 210 points Traverse City Central has put up in four postseason games. Uh, that is impressive, and uh, no matter who you're playing, I don't care who's lined up uh, in front of you, their one blemish was a, and I believe it was a road loss at Macomb, Dakota, 42-16. to 16. Yeah, was was the final in that one. Uh, I believe Muskegon Mona Shores would beat Macomb, Dakota. And I believe they, that's, that's just my feeling. Uh, Macomb, Dakota, good football team. And uh, I, I believe they could have gone on a run themselves. Um, uh, I think you have to say something uh, for teams that find a way to win. East Lansing was a formidable opponent last week. And uh, despite their best efforts, Mona Shores found a way. And, uh, you know, they are the state champs, and they believe it. They kind of define the term "find a way." Yeah, <laughs> at least the yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, being at home is going to help. Uh, I'm going with Muskegon Mona Shores. Uh, 
All right, so let's move to our number four top ten best state semifinal, and this is in Division Three, and uh, we actually are going to be talking about uh, both Division Three matchups here in a bit. But we're going to start with the first matchup, which is nine and one Muskegon, who will be on the road for the first time in a long time. Uh, as far as playoffs go, because they're taking on a team that didn't have an opportunity to play uh, this past weekend, and that was DeWitt. Uh, but DeWitt, as we we know, uh, our people's champ in the Mr. Football Award uh, is their particular quarterback, Ty Holtz. And uh, uh, DeWitt's going to be chomping at the bit to get back at it on the football field. Will there be some rust? Sure, there will be. Uh, is this a Muskegon team that is as good as years past? I don't think so. Um, but uh, a team with uh, incredible playoff poise and uh, incredible athletes and lots of guys playing at the next level. Uh, do they have uh, enough to go on the road and beat a very good undefeated DeWitt team? Scott? Um, I'll start off by saying that the game within a game here is going to be the Big Reds secondary, which I think is underrated. Uh, they have two really, really fine safeties in Tyrese Oaks and Julius uh, Julius Sims. Sims, and then you know trying to contain, you know at least statistically the number one quarterback in the state and Ty Holtz, um, you know it, it, that that I think that that the game's going to come down to if Ty Holtz can do what Ty Holtz has been doing mm -hmm. all year, Muskegon might be in some trouble. If uh, you know if that Big Reds coaching staff and uh, the quarterbacks of that of that back end of of the secondary and in Oaks and Sims can can neutralize, then you know Muskegon has the edge. So uh, I'm really excited to see that, and uh, I think at the end of the day, Muskegon and and, and the uh, experience factor goes in the favor of the Big Reds, and I, I think the Big Reds are going to get this dub. But I I, I think it, it's going to come down to the uh, very end, and I think that uh, you know Ty Holtz has had an amazing year. And he's set himself up for, I think, uh, a, a real recruiting push in in the uh, in the off season. But it, it might be a a little bit of a bridge too far to to think that they're gonna they're gonna beat Muskegon. Yeah, hey Matt, it's it's kind of a tale of two teams. Uh, Muskegon has faced adversity this season. Uh, you know, they fell to Mona Shores, which is always a, a tough thing to swallow, tough pill to swallow. They had to come back to beat Zeeland West. It was an amazing uh, last-second kind of victory there to win 15-14. Uh, they absolutely were in complete control on Saturday over East Grand Rapids. Granted, not an East Grand Rapids team that maybe we've seen in the past, uh, but regardless, shut them out. After having that long break, 124 to nothing, clicking on all cylinders. DeWitt, a team who has not been tested. I should shout out, by the way, season. Miles Walton, the, mm -hmm. the cover corner for Muskegon, is also a, a very, very sticky cornerback uh, that's going to, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, it's going to get the assignment of Tommy McIntosh, who is uh, Ty's number one receiver and is also a, a heck of a playmaker that will be playing uh, Division One college football someday. Or not someday to in in, um, in two years, and uh, I'm I'm eager to see the the Walton McIntosh uh, matchup. Well, when it comes to Dewitt, uh, again, a team that has not faced any adversity this season, and when you put teams uh, that should be competitive, i.e., Portland in Week One, i.e., Warren De La Salle in Week Four, because uh, that was a, a huge win 
Uh, Stevensville Lakeshore, who had to kind of bow out of the playoffs, but you know because of of COVID concerns and things of that nature. But again, another really uh, you know a good program, and uh, you know they took care of them uh, when they did play them the first time, forty three to six, and they they didn't get a chance to play in the re- in the rematch because uh, Lakeshore, um, for whatever reason, did not play and had to forfeit. So, uh, what say you in this battle between uh, Muskegon and Dewitt? Well, and, and here's the part that you got to look at, too. When you go back to the original schedule, including those first three games that were scrubbed, first game, Traverse City Central. Second game, Portland. Third game, East Lansing. That would have been a heck of a gauntlet. They ended up playing Portland in week four to start off their season. But like you mentioned, they played De La Salle. They played Lakeshore once at the end of the regular season and and. Just absolutely. I mean, they 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 gave up 38 points to Grand Ledge. Other than that, they have not given up six points to any other opponent, and they only have allowed four opponents to score. It's just it, this this Dewitt program has been one of those that has been trying to get to the level of Muskegon, you know, and has just come up inches short. Not not you know we're not talking miles of difference because you look since 2009, Dewitt has been. 126 and 20, six trips to the semis and one trip to the finals. Muskegon in that same span, 129 and 25, seven trips to the finals and one championship. It's just the one program that has found that little tiny bit extra to go one step further. Now Muskegon is their frustration has been they have not finished in that time span as much as they would have liked to. They've only met twice in the playoffs, once in the regionals, uh, and Muskegon beat DeWitt 49 to nothing en route to their 2017 title, the one championship they do have in that span. They beat DeWitt 28-21 in the semis last year, but that was a tight game right down to the end, if I recall. As, as Scott said, I think that matchup is going to be you know, the passing combination of Ty Holtz to Tommy McIntosh and Luke Bresser and how well that, that big red secondary with a lot of college players in it can handle that and force DeWitt into doing something they're less comfortable doing. I think this is going to be one of those you know, colossal matchups too. I think that's part of the reason we had this so high on the list, but I think DeWitt finally breaks through and this becomes the season that they, they get to go on and Muskegon goes home. I guarantee you there were teams uh, because DeWitt the size of their school and that, in that nature, I, I know there were t- kids that were on that 2017 team that uh, even as freshmen, uh, you know, and even if they weren't, participating were there and saw what happened and that always stays with you let's face it that 2017 Muskegon team and led by Mr. Football Ladarius Jefferson nobody was beating that team that was a college team uh, just going through it the motions and just rolling over everyone uh, and it's funny you you yeah they gave up 38 to Grand Ledge in that game what they do they doubled them up they put 64 on the board just just to show that yes we've given up a lot of points and if we want if you guys want to have a shootout with this that's fine we'll put up 64 uh and and that's what they did um yeah I'm taking to it in this one uh it's going to be uh a tough road to hoe there's no question about it and uh you know Muskegon, I, I, again, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, turn around and Muskegon just does what they do and uh, gets themselves to the state finals again. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I think a lot of the, this year's playoffs, because of the unusualness and, and the season, all that is about runs and dynasty and 
Finding the Dream and, you know, whether it's Oak Park and, and some of these other programs, uh, I believe DeWitt, DeWitt gets there. And, and Muskegon doesn't and have a slouch at quarterback. Amari, right. Amari Crowley might yeah. not be going to college as a quarterback, but he'll find his way into a, a, a high-level D2 or a, a mid-major D1 as an athlete. So, you know, he, he, he can beat you with, with, his, uh, with his athleticism. And and if you're DeWitt, you got you got to be aware of that, and you got to you know um, you prepare for that. And what plays into the fact that DeWitt did not play this past weekend, so they're another week removed from playing a football game. And if Muskegon comes out, you know, and is is and puts it to him, and and DeWitt's just rusty. Uh, and just doesn't have it. And, you know, sometimes you make the adjustments too late. It could be it's a long time. And it's day. not a one-week layoff. It's a two-month and one-week layoff. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a long time. All right, let's move to the other matchup in Division Three because whoever wins between those two is going to have uh, to face a tough team. And uh, we have... 8-1 and River Rouge at unbeaten Chelsea, uh, both teams with impressive wins. I don't think a lot of credit was given to Flick Kearsley and just how good of a team I think that was going in. He had Braylon Silva, yeah. who was just yeah. you know, a lightning in a bottle from the Flint area that and, not enough people knew about. And Chelsea really came out and played well early and uh, was really establishing a full uh, give Kearsley all the credit for coming back and playing as well as they did and finding ways to get into the end zone to make that a closer game. Uh, I think it's closer than than what you see the final score being 38-22. Really good game uh, there. And we had another really good game. And exactly what I thought we would have between River Rouge and Detroit Martin Luther King. That game for Rouge, I'm convinced, was one in the trenches. It was River Rouge in the trenches, stopping you know a lot of D1 talent. Uh, and uh, I'm really surprised it, that we don't have a king or a cast left yeah. in the final four. I'm shocked as well. Uh, and it's it's kind of emblematic of King's season that you know good, just not great, just can't get over the. And uh, you know again another team give them credit. Uh, and what Dante Moore did to bring that team back on the precipice of winning that game. Uh, but in the end, Marion Robowski wants to remind everyone that what you saw in the state finals last year was no fluke. You put us against the good teams. We will rise to the occasion. Yeah, we had a, sh- a setback in East Lansing early. And if that's how you want to doubt us off that, great. That's what we want. We want you to doubt us. Uh, we're going to be on the road again, uh, uh, in or we're going to be on the road in this one at, at Chelsea. Uh, I mean, but I love the way that Rob- uh, River Rouge played Rob- and how they looked. Robowski's in beast mode, and again, it's cliche, but it's true. He's playing with a real chip on his shoulder this season, trying to show people that um, that that last last season and, and that performance at Ford Field wasn't a fluke, that, that he can throw the ball better than people think he can, that he can lead an offense maybe better than people think he can. I think some of the early um, analysis of him is that he was just kind of an athlete that was playing quarterback, and I think he wants to show people that he's a quarterback playing quarterback. Um, and then it kind of, you know, the, the same thing um, that we were talking about in the in the last Division Three matchup, you, you got a, a, a an under the radar gem of a quarterback in Chelsea's Griffin Murphy, who had four touchdowns in in the regional game, and he's going to be facing a really good River Rouge secondary uh, with uh, I don't want to butcher the guy's name Ar- Armorian Smith and uh, Davion Hayes. Uh, Smith's going to Akron or was committed to Akron, and now he might be. His recruiting might be open again, but he's a Division One kid, and uh, Hayes is going to Grand Valley State. Um, so, 
you know, if if I don't know if Griffin Murphy is, has uh, faced a secondary as star-studded as River Rouge, if he can handle it, uh, it will go down to the wire. If he can't, River Rouge will run away with this thing. So I, I think this game is, is an, an, an intriguing chess matchup. Yeah, and if people don't remember, Chelsea's a team, Matt, that is uh, trying to get to its third state finals in the past six years. Uh, uh-huh. You know, this is a program that has had a lot of playoff success and, um, you know, have uh, a great pedigree. You and, jo- know? and Josh Lucas has made sure that, uh, you know, there's been uh, no, um, you know, he, he's kept everything moving forward and kept the momentum uh, of a program that he took over that, that had positive momentum. He kept pushing it forward. Yeah, I mean, it's just a great football program, and it has been for many years, regardless if it's Brad Bush or whoever's, you know, mm-hmm. reading the program. Uh, you know, they're, they're a team to be reckoned with. And they're going up against a team very much, uh, very similar as we uh, when we talk about Belleville. You talk about a program that has been uh, slowly uh, finding its way into becoming one of the premier programs in the state in River Rouge. We were all stunned last year when, when they beat Muskegon, the way they beat Muskegon. Uh, I mean, I, I would have bet the house that there was no way Cameron Martinez wasn't going to win a state championship with Muskegon. But it happened, and uh, Corey Parker flipped that script he on everybody. Sure, he sure did, and he's a master motivator, Corey Parker. And he's a super advocate for his kids, and you know, uh, 365 days a year, he's posting things about the Panther family yeah. and celebrating his kids. And it's one of those and guys opportunities. That you listen to him make a, a pregame speech, oh, love or, it, or you listen to him in, in a in a huddle during yeah. you know a timeout or something, and it just makes you know me as a a guy who's 43 years old want to go put, on, put the on the pads and get out there and play for him. There's no question about it. And I would. If he asked yeah, me, yeah. I would I would lace him up and I would go out there. So, uh, Matt, your thoughts on River Rouge versus Chelsea? Well, I think it's – and by the way, we mentioned Josh Lucas. Uh, congratulations to the Lucas family. I believe they had an addition in terms of a baby in the gap between games. Nice. So that was time fortuitously. Um, Armorian Smith, uh, uh, Scott, is going to Cincinnati. That's who okay. we were thinking of. I think he, I think he was committed to Akron and then switched. Yes, I think so. Yep. I, I Not think, a bad switch. Uh, this is no, Bearcat time no, right no. now, yeah. It's. I think one of the keys is going to be how much Chelsea can get out of one of the best players that no one ever talks about in Joe Taylor. U of M baseball commit um, may play both sports at U of M. Going into the regional finals, he caught 37 passes for 764 yards and 13 touchdowns. He had two rushing touchdowns, a kickoff return. He's one of those Swiss Army knives you know, kind of guys that, that can do a little bit of everything. And you've got obviously an all state caliber quarterback in Griffin Murphy. Another person who gets a little overlooked because he just came this year is Trent Hill, the little brother of former MSU and Chelsea running back, Nick Hill, the power back with speed. They've got, they've got offensive options. I think the key is going to be on the defensive side of the ball, because if you look at their, their playoff run so far, it's been a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, helter-skelter. They've got two shutouts, and in the other two playoff games, they've allowed 66 points. So it's going to be kind of one of one or the other, and maybe they can kind of narrow that down a little bit. I think it was a little surprising in the in the first round of the playoffs, or I guess it was the semifinals of the uh, the districts when they played a South Lion East team that was very good offensively, but not one that you would think is just going to explode on someone, and they gave up 40-odd points to that team. I think the key there is when they have faced a less mobile quarterback, 
they've done better. The couple of times, because obviously Braylon Silvis fits into the category of a very mobile quarterback as well. Unfortunately, this week, they're again facing one of those mobile quarterbacks in Marianne Herbowski. And if they do what they did last week in the in the game against King and they move David Martin, who's normally a wide out, but is very fast, if he ends up running the ball again for them, it's going to be kind of the pick your poison prospect that Muskegon had in the finals. Do we concentrate on the running game of the running back or do we concentrate on shutting down Hrabowski? And I think that's what you saw in that finals that Hrabowski had the big, huge holes because Muskegon was at least at the start focusing so much on, on shutting down the running back part of the running game. So it'll be one of those interesting things because Martin has all kinds of speed. So you have to decide early on, who are you going to take on those RPOs? Are you going to take, you know, the, the quarterback, or are you going to take the pitch guy? And and that'll, that'll be the key. It, this should be a very big game. And I think, Lauren, like you said, that's a mammoth offensive line and defensive line that River Rouge has got. Chelsea has got a big line, but not even close to the same size. I think that could be something that throughout the game just sort of grinds on that Chelsea defense. And by the end, they may just be gassed. Rabowski's too good. Uh, he'll run, he'll throw. Uh, that line's going to give him the protection he needs to survey. And like any, you know, whether whatever level it is, college, pro, even high school, for, for the good ones, if you give them time, they're going to pick you apart. He's got a lot of upside. And, you know, he, people, even though he won a state championship, even though he's going and he's got a scholarship to Western Michigan, when people talk about the best quarterbacks in the state of Michigan, yeah. his name doesn't come up. And, I, that, I mean, part of that's on me. He wasn't in, our Mr. wasn't in our Mr. Football right. this year. But, you I know? mean, believe me, he, he he's deserving of yeah. being put in that conversation. There's no question about it. It's a, it's a team effort. So uh, I do want to say also that, you know, that, that – we talk about it so much. We're so many different guys. We're saying, you know, he might play both sports at the next level. That never works out. <laughs> Even though he's going to be able to play baseball, football, he's going to probably end up having just, to choose but, all these guys. But I think it's right. it's a, but it's saying something that he is that much yeah, of an he athlete. Has the he could do and either. And it's also a, a, um, a product of 2020. I think that the notion that kids could go to a college and play two sports 20 years ago or 30 years ago where it wasn't literally a full-time job like yeah. it is now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was much more open. So yeah. the, you, you know, saw it a lot. Yeah, you know, the Kirk Gibsons of the yeah, world. for or, sure. Or yeah. um, Rick Leach or guys like that that went to major schools in the 70s and 80s and played football and baseball or football yeah. and basketball. Just yeah. the well, guys even, like even Gibby didn't play until the very end of his career. Right. And I think the yeah. only time he played baseball was his senior year. Yeah, yeah the, the Kyler Murrays of the world are few and yeah. far between. And I think it's, uh, it's easier to play baseball and football than it is yeah. basketball and football because the, the seasons yeah. are, are more. Which would be the out. case in this instance yeah. if he does yeah. that. And, uh, uh, of course, he'd be, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Good for him. We'll see what happens. I am taking mm, DeWitt. I got River Rouge. I'm sorry. I'm taking River Rouge. We already did that game. I'm taking River Rouge, Matt. You. I don't think, I don't think yeah, DeWitt yeah. can win this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to take River Rouge as well. All right. So there you go. Uh, but uh, we shall see. Hey, guys, real quick. Uh, we're down to our last two. We've got our I do want to tell you, we've got our second state champs Michigan show premiering this Sunday with highlights from all, if not the vast majority of the state semifinals football games. Please download the free state champ sports app on your phone 
or on Roku or on your Amazon Fire Stick. You can watch the show on your TV just like you did for 20 years. And I mentioned earlier that the team with DMC Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine is back with us. We teamed up last year on segments we called Game Changers. I want you to go check them out. Just two-minute videos with quick tips and good advice for you, the student-athlete. To watch them all, find State Champs TV on YouTube. That's the easiest way. And just search DMC. Or you could check it out on any of the State Champs Michigan socials. So thank you for that. All right, we're down to our final two games here. And I said, there's no way we're going to have a podcast longer than we did. with some. We have a podcast longer than the one we did last week. Uh, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get through this uh, quickly. We appreciate uh, you sticking with us. But again... We haven't had an opportunity to talk high school football for a long time, so we're back at it, and we're doing it. And hopefully we're not boring you. Uh, Number two, our second best state semifinal matchup in our eyes is in Division I. Davison, undefeated, will be on the road in this particular game because they are taking on, although a team with two less wins because of how it works, they're 8-0 Rockford Rams. And here we are, Rockford back in. In the uh, final four, uh, we never would have, uh, none of us predicted uh, that Davison would be able to do what they did. We talked about that team uh, earlier when we talked about our primetime performers. Uh, the question is going to be, and Matt, we'll start with you, with you on this one. Uh, they beat Det- Detroit Catholic Central. Uh, they did it in unbelievable fashion. Can they do it again? Can they go to Rockford and beat a team that, uh, just absolutely took care of of Celine, a good Celine team. Uh, Rockford saying, "We are back, baby." What do you think? I I think they have the ability to do that. I, I certainly don't. I mean, especially if you start doing the extrapolation. Okay, well, Davison beat Grand Blanc and Grand Blanc beat Celine. You know, and it was a close game. So I mean, it's it's. I, I think. Here's here's what I will say. I took some grief at the start of the season when we put together our top 25, our, our initial one, because I still had Davison at number one, even though you had teams yep. like Belleville and Cass and West Bloomfield, who maybe, you know, had more of an argument from a, oh, my gosh, they have all these um, college prospects kind of standpoint. And my, my case was at that point, Davison is the defending D1 champion and they have not lost. We're in January, and Davison is the D1 defending champion and has not lost. I mean, of course, you only do this when you're right. I'm not going to yeah, pat right. myself on the back. If, of course. You know, if I if I totally blow a call. But I, right. this is a Davison team that might honestly be more complete than last year because they were more dependent this year on the running game and defense than they were last year when they had, um, you know, they were slinging the ball around a little bit more. They're averaging right about the same amount of points scored per game, 42, but they've dropped their points allowed from around 15 to just over nine. They still have not given up more than a touchdown to any opponent other than Grand Blanc, which scored 21 and 19 in the two times they faced them. It's going to be interesting because they haven't been forced into a passing situation. Even when Sullivan was under center, they really didn't have to use him. Deion Brown showed that he can do that as a compliment, but if Rockford is able to stifle the running game and force them into passing, it's always interesting when a, when a player comes out of nowhere like Deion Brown and does something spectacular. Okay, well, now he's got to follow it up, 
and he's got to follow it up when a team has film on him actually doing it so they have a little better idea there's no surprise anymore that there's no he's obviously a college athlete but they're going to force i think that's going to be the rockford game plan they're going to force it into his hands and an make him beat point. them excellent i think point. i think he can yeah but i but think still. that's still going to be one of those things he has to prove yeah, no doubt. No, pretty good uh, tactical coaching staff. Oh on, yeah, no, on the Rockford there, uh, sideline. There's no question about it. And, and Scott, I, I want you to touch. I, I'll tell you, I saw Graham Blank beat Clarkston, and the way they beat Clarkston, I was, I felt there was no way they were going to lose against Davison, regardless of just because I, I felt that Davison hadn't been challenged this year. Although when you look back at the schedule, they played Graham Blank already, had beat them. I just felt Graham Blank had all the momentum going into that. Uh, it wasn't even close. Uh, you know, they take care of Detroit Catholic Central, and, and we talked about the performance, uh, not just of the quarterback who had to step in, but the entire team. And again, uh, their offensive line played phenomenal uh, football. Uh, this is a team that are the defending one Division One state champions, and uh, they have all the ability in the world to get right back there and do it all over again. The question is... You know, this Rockford team, where are we at with these guys? Again, Rockford was a team that, you know, uh, has had has had some playoff success. They've made some regionals over the past few years, but nothing like what we know Rockford as. Um, we never give enough credit to the schedule that Rockford plays every year and the, the rivalries, I mean, the ingrained battles. And we talked a little bit, I think, on the last game, last podcast. Uh, but here they are. Uh, and back in the state semifinals, and this time they get to be at home. Scott, what say you? I mean, I think that the this Davison team is just a team on a mission, and if they're not going to be tripped up by losing their captain and their all-state quarterback that took them to a state championship last year, I, I don't see them being derailed by anything. Um, we talked about... Uh, De La Salle being kind of fueled by the the emotional leadership of Brett Stanley. I see the same thing in Davison with Harrison Unger. Uh, who's going to Air Force, uh, defensive end, tight end. You know, really had a coming out party last year in the state finals um, and has carried that momentum over into his senior year and is just, again, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, heart and soul, um, uh, uh, you know, the heartbeat of that, of that Cardinals team in, in the locker room. You know when it when you're talking about um, Rockford, you know one of the X factors I think is is um, is it Car Carter Costas? Car Coast. I want to make sure I get. I it. do not know. Um, he is the uh, he is the uh, Cade Cade Costas. Cade, Cade Costas, who was one of these um, kind of freakish athletes who came over from the lacrosse field mm -hmm. and is now getting a lot of oh. Division One offers and. Um, he is uh, someone that uh, is rangy and can definitely uh, rush the passer and cover the, uh, the the intermediate pass routes. So I think he is a, a real X factor for for maintaining or sorry, he is a real X factor for containing um, Dion Brown and I guess maintaining that uh, uh, normally stalwart Rockford uh, defense. So you know, we'll see. I, I think it's an uphill battle for Rockford, but uh, I, you know, again, that it's a great coaching staff. They've got playmakers. I love Zach Ahern. Um, you know, three hundred combined yards from scrimmage in the regionals. You can never overlook that. But uh, I'm going to say again, Davison's on a mission, and I think Davison uh, gets this dub and, and goes back to Fort Field. 
All three of us taking Davison? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is where we're at. And we have come now to the, the team. De resistance. Yes, the team that they will play. Whoever wins, whether it's Davison or Rockford, uh, they're going to have another tough road to hoe whomever they should have to face in the state finals between either of our number one top ten best state semifinal matchup. That is the Lakers of West Bloomfield heading to the Tigers of Belleville. Uh, and this is third a rematch. Year. Third a, straight year. Yep, third straight year. Uh, so, yes, not just a rematch, but the third straight year these two are meeting in the playoffs. Uh, this one has all the potential of being a 60-50 to 50 game. Uh, you know, when you look at, at the scoring capabilities of both squads. It could be like a, a game of Madden. When, yeah. you, when you take all the talent that's on the field, and it's one of these games where we've, we've had them in the past couple of years, but with the kind of consolidation of the of the college talent now kind of all being, you know, within a five or six program radius, uh, you're going to have it this game between Belleville and West Bloomfield. You're going to have over 20 kids that are going to play Division One football on Saturdays on the field next Saturday playing for a right to uh, uh, go to the state finals. And anytime you have that, that high octane uh, playmaking factor, it, it just it makes you think that you're about to see an amazing game. Uh, the last two games that they've played in the playoffs have been close. Um, last year, West Bloomfield jumped ahead. It looked like they were going to um, possibly roll the victory. No, it really did. And they <laughs> were saying it on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, they were like, whoa, we're well, not even getting challenged right. here. And then, you know, flip was or switch was flipped and, and CDR – uh, went all CDR on them and uh, started slinging the ball downfield. And the next thing you know, I think they won by uh, more than a touchdown. So, you know, I'll I'll just quote Donovan Edwards after the game um, against Romeo when he when he was asked about the the pending matchup with Belleville. He said, "This is personal. <laughs> this is this is bigger than me." Enrolling in Michigan early. Uh, by the way, he's committed to playing all three games. He, and, and Harbaugh's given him a, you know, a waiver, quote unquote, where he doesn't have to report yeah, on the 18th. Which is so so great. And I'm it seems like happy. it means so much to Donovan. And I'm not saying it didn't mean anything to Brent Sullivan or it didn't mean anything to the, the the King brothers who left early for Penn State or Sullivan who left for Northwestern. But it it says something to me about someone that is an All American and has has such a bright future and and you know, literally has people talking to him about an NFL career and possibly going to Ann Arbor and turning that whole program around on, on the shoulders of him and uh, J.J. McCarthy and Gerald Worthy, who are all coming in next year as true freshmen expected to get playing time or could easily get playing time. But for him to want in his heart of hearts and for him to make it such a priority to, to win a state championship, and, and he's been saying this, since day one, I remember having a conversation with him in June, and he said, even if the season gets pushed back, I will stay and play in the spring. That's how much it means to me. And obviously, when you have 10 touchdowns over a two-game span like he has the last two games, um, and you have the leadership that he provides, because really, uh, again, we've talked about leaders in the huddle and the locker room, and this is a guy that as a freshman and a sophomore was a quiet and he's, he's still humble, but very quiet, let his 
Clay do the talking, wasn't someone that was getting in, uh, getting in his teammates' faces or riling up the sidelines or giving big emotional um, speeches before the game or at halftime. And now that's exactly who he is. Uh, so, you know, he said it's personal for him and he's going to have his his uh, his boys ready to go. I'm sure uh, Christian Dureed and and uh, all of those Belleville playmakers are going to be ready. And, 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 you know, Jermaine on the sideline at Belleville is uh, is friendly with Ronnie on the sideline at, at West Bloomfield. So that will be a great um, you know battle of of coaching styles and. And uh, it's just it's everything you want in a semifinal game. Yes, uh, this is what I've been kind of dreaming about all years to get this rematch. So I'm I couldn't be more excited. No, I I as well, uh, Matt. I don't think you can underestimate what it meant to the Tigers team beating Cast Tech the way they did. Uh, if you would have seen your, you watch the highlights, watch Jermaine Crowell on the sideline uh, in that game. Uh, watch him the way he marched that team out there. Um, I mean, you want to talk about a team on a mission as well. This group feels that there is no one who is going to stop this team from getting into the end zone, period. Uh, I would have loved to have seen the King brothers play on Saturday. I'm you know, heartbroken that, that they couldn't. Uh, just to watch them play high school football one more game, uh, but just to see the chess match that would have played out, I do not know if it would have been much different uh, in just the way that th- we, this Belleville offense is something um, at, at the Division One level is something unlike. Um, You're a machine. I, I, I don't know if, it, if there's unlike when, when every game, and you can go back at the stats at minimum. He's got touchdowns to five different people. Yeah. Sometimes it's six, sometimes it's seven and more. Um, so it does not matter who you try and contain yeah. or shut down. Different guys popping up. Daryl Johnson. Absolutely. Uh, last week, the Grand Valley commit. Yep. Who gets you know, lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Dion Burks the, wasn't all, there. All the Division One commits. Dion Burks is right. gone. He's at Purdue. Didn't matter. They put up 43 on Castec. Uh, only gave up 16. You talk about the trenches. Uh, Belleville's as good as anyone in the trenches. Uh, Damon Dane, they, he's there patrolling the they, point of attack. You got Cam Dyson. They want at this. Linebacker. They want Jamari this. Budden they know what it's like to beat West Bloomfield because they've done it. Um, and so again, Battle of the Titans, epic matchup. Donovan Edwards, you you cannot deny is just emphatic. Yeah. And and again, we know all like you said 20, 20 division 1 players on both teams. There might, that might so, be undershooting. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. uh it's going to be an absolutely uh just an inc- regardless of even if it ends up being lopsided, an incredible just Matt, just something to behold and, and, and see and what and happens. T- Matt and I were talking about and I'll, I'll throw it to Matt in 2 seconds, yeah, okay. but and we were talking about how uh I don't know, or I guess I was saying, saying to Matt, I don't know if it's you can just roll out the Donovan Edwards show and expect that to get you past Belleville. And then Matt said, "Well, that's what they did last year." And that's, it didn't it's, work. It's, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly how the game started. You even talked about it, Lauren. They got that big lead early, and Donovan was running wild, and it looked like it was like, "Oh God, this is anticlimactic." We thought this was going to be, and all of a sudden, CDR starts, you know, throwing dimes. And, and it, 
the explosion, I think, initially rocked West Bloomfield back on its heels a little bit. And then it was like, okay, well, we got to keep up. Well, that's the thing that West Bloomfield doesn't do as well as Belleville, that play from behind. Right. If they're playing from ahead, they're okay. If they're playing from behind and have to start throwing the ball around, hmm. That was what Belleville managed to do for the better part of three quarters at the end of that game is they made West Bloomfield one-dimensional, and it's not the dimension that West Bloomfield mm-hmm. is as good at. They took the the threat of Donovan Edwards – Quite frankly, for the last three quarters of that game last year, he was more impactful as a pass catcher than he was as a running back. Yeah, because they really were bottling up the run game and they were keeping it, you know, from becoming as much of an issue. If if Belleville can get ahead and play ahead and manage to do that, there was also the segment of the game last year, too, where once Belleville got up big, they were going for the jugular. And I think they threw yep. a streak of incompletions like yes. five or six. Bombs. Because you know, they were going for that Bombs. just. And, and, and just missing those, Matt. You can't field. underestimate how close oh, yeah. those were. I mean, they were off the fingertips of yeah. guys. Yeah, they would have blown it out, but sorry. Yeah, well, and I have like forty pictures to to attest from yes, that you when do, I was yes. taking, you know, of of guys just reaching out for it was, passes yeah, that were just and, past fingertips, and, and, it, and it, I just it was so close. And I just have to say, it was so cold. Matt's out there in the cold. Scott and I were in the press box because I didn't have to shoot that game. We had uh, uh, Charles, one of our other. Uh, photographer shooting the game so i got to go up in, in the press box and uh, it was so, nice and warm but uh, here are my closing thoughts i know these west Bloomfield guys i've been covering them for a while i know this team inside and out and i know that it is going to be so tempting for them to want to get into a shootout and go back and forth and turn this thing into a track meet and i, I am I want West Moonfield, if they're listening to this, to heed my advice. <laughs> you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You don't want that. Right. You don't, you you wanna, don't want You want to control tempo. Oh, you have to. I mean, I, I just I think if they get into to a shootout, they're going to lose. So, no question. So, But I'm just saying I think it's tempting I know. for the West Moonfield guys to want to kind of go head-to-head and, and uh, you, know, you know, throw out – throw the kitchen sink out there and, yeah. and, uh, and, and you know – just go back and forth and, and make it a, a basketball game. But uh, I, I think West Bloomfield is, is <laughs> better served if they, if they try a, a more ball control, uh, you know, slower pace and, and try to get CDR limit CDR's um, possessions. Yeah. Give me your pick. Uh, I, I hate to do this because I love West Bloomfield, Uh-oh. but I'm going to pick Belleville. I'm going to say Belleville 28-27. Okay. Um, yep. Here's what I will say. The best move that Belleville did was getting out of the WeWAC a few years ago and getting into the KLAA so that they could finally have a regular season where, uh, again, it hasn't mattered much because they've dominated just as much as they did in the WEWAC for the most case, but there are playing teams that have good strategies, game plans, and are trying to figure out ways to to hang with Belleville. They've had some classics with Fortson and things, you know, good programs that are, are putting together game plans so that they can look back and say, all right, uh, we ended up doing what we do, but we can't allow this to happen. So this has all been building for this year. I, I couldn't have been more st- Stunned that they lost in the state semifinals last year. But in order for them to get to this next level, uh, they, I think they had to beat Castec. That was the first time they've ever played. So they had to beat Castec. 
And uh, Jermaine Corral had to exercise that demon of, of you know, his of the student beating the teacher, which he did. Uh, they needed to get, you know, have themselves established for a few years out of that division, uh, you know, out of that that poor conference they were in into a into a good conference uh, that they were in. And this has all been building into this moment. CDR has lost one playoff game at home. One game. One game, period. Period, at home. His entire four-year career, and that was to Canton. Uh, and they already exercised that demon in the playoffs as well. That monkey's off their back. Um, so I cannot, for all that is holy, choose against Belleville as much as I can see West Bloomfield and Donovan Edwards given the game of his life. I mean, I'm, I, I could run out there and hand him the Mr. Football trophy right then. But there's another Mr. Football candidate uh, in Christian Reed who has been consistent all year. He is the MHSAA's all-time career touchdown pass holder, uh, record holder. And now he's the single season this all-time touchdown record holder. You know, when you break it down and, and make it more... Uh, micro in terms of state champs you could have the the two front runners for mr yes. football slugging it out right yeah. yes and yeah. and we had we had that when we had muskegon against yeah. detroit king in the state finals a yeah. few years back king won that game i don't want to and disrespect essence, mr uh, football. you know uh brady rose and not say that he's not a front runner because he, he is he, absolutely <laughs> and we will be announcing by the way in our anvil and mr football award i'm not going to talk about it but the semifinals. Uh, are going to determine, as soon as on Monday, next Monday, we are going to meet and we are going to determine who are our Final Four candidates. We had a Final Four from before. I can tell you right now there will be changes in that. Uh, you don't know who those were, but I can guarantee you there are going to be a few different names that will be in the Final Four in either race. So there's that. So hold on to that. But I have to take Belleville in this one. Matt? I would like another five days to think about this, please. Yeah, I know, I know. No, I... I think I think I have to take Belleville as well. I mean, it's one of it's, this may be the literally the hardest call of yeah. any of these we have to make, Agreed. and I still may you know think about it before we post ours online. But I think yeah. I think it's going to come down to Belleville. Yep. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you for uh, being a part of this arduous journey. I don't think we quite made two hours. It's a little bit short of that. Uh, by about nine minutes. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, But, again, we have a lot to say, and we love high school football. You know, Scott, Matt, and I have worked together for a long time now, and uh, and Scott and I go way back. Um, you know, it has been a, you know, this season has been so unique, um, but every year, regardless of what it is, whether we're talking about football, or we're talking about basketball, which are the, you know, where we have this group together to talk about stuff. Um, we love this. We love it. And we can go on and on. And, and these guys, you know, I give them all the credit in the world. They're schooled up on these guys. They know where they're going to school. They, they you know, they've, they've not only watched them compete, but they study they study, you know, that's why you got to watch the scout show because you get so much great information. And then you from turn on the, the television on, on a Saturday or a Sunday yeah. and you get to see a lot of kids that yeah. come from this area playing big time college that's football right. or, or in the NFL. I mean, that's right. Look at Donovan Peoples Jones with Cleveland. Yeah. Allen Robinson with Chicago. Uh, with yeah. Chicago. No doubt about it. And Eric Fisher with, with yeah. Kansas City. Absolutely. And there will be more to come. There's no question about it. Uh, and, uh, and you could do that in, on the basketball floor as well, you know. Look at Josh Jackson Josh with Jackson, the Pistons. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, again, I appreciate both you guys, uh, what you do, and the commitment you have to this. Uh, we thank you, the fan who has been listening. We will break this up so that uh, you can get it in more palatable chunks. But 
for Matt Mowry, for Scott Bernstein, my name is Lauren Plants. I want to thank you very much for listening to another edition, the second to, uh, well, we're going to do two more after this, so the third to last edition of the State Champs Michigan's Extra Point Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.